You know, it's a beautiful thing when God's servants, sick and tired, still step up to serve. And then there's other people, you can't get them away from the TV to do something for somebody, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's hard being a parent. It's hard being a boss. It's hard being fill in the blank if people have to listen to you, do what you say, or you have responsibility to make decisions. Because one of the things you will always hear is that's not fair. Right? Notice over there and over there, we have thermostats. Do you notice there's a box on those thermostats? <laughs> it's not to keep them from getting stolen. It's to keep people from messing with them. Because everybody seems to have their own opinion as to what's comfortable. So uh, it's winter, and you know maybe we've got the thermostat set at 72 degrees. Well, maybe that's just a little too nippy for somebody like me with cold feet. So I want to run it up to 75. Well, maybe somebody from Missouri says, man, you could, you're killing me in here. Let's run it down to 65. You know, you got 150 people in a room. you got 150 people with an opinion, and they all got a finger. And it's funny how we don't think about the other person. And we could just say, please don't touch. It don't work. People will still touch. There's certain things in life that are subjective, certain things that are objective. Right and wrong are objective, though sometimes they're subjective in the way we look at them. But what is fair? Is fair an objective concept or a subjective concept? Yeah, it's subjective, which really stinks because somebody always feels like they're getting the shaft and they always feel like you're giving them the shaft. So that's why we need a little grace in life. You've got to let people who have the right to make decisions make them and smile and bless them. And thank God you don't have to be the one everybody thinks giving you the shaft. <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about fair. Is God fair? And one of Jesus's, Yeshua's lesson on fairness. But it got to start off with a funny story. So there's this guy walking through hell. And he's walking by all this sulfurous pits of misery and doom waiting to be assigned to his new place. And while he's walking by, he comes by and he sees this man in the arms of a lovely woman in hell. And he walks by and he goes, that's not fair! How come all these people are in these pits of sulfurous, miserable doom and he gets to be in the arms of a beautiful woman? And Satan jabs him with the pitchfork and says, mind your business. It's not your business who I choose to make her suffer with. <laughs> That's not fair. So what is fair? Here's a dictionary definition of fair. Free from bias, dishonesty, or injustice. I like that. If you're unbiased, you make a decision based on just just principles, that's a definition of fairness. But you've already realized, you've already said it out loud, even though that might be a good definition, it's still subjective. 
but that is a good dictionary definition. Here's, I think, the practical definition, though, the one we all go by. Not free from bias, dishonesty, or justice, but, quote, when everything works out the way I think it should. <laughs> That's our definition of fair. Is life fair? Raise your hand if you think life's fair. How many of you wish life was fair? Raise your hand. I used to be the guy putting up my hand. I don't put my hand up anymore because I'm glad life's not fair. You realize if life was fair, every time I sped, I'd get a ticket. I don't. That's not fair, is it? It's not, but I'm glad. And every once in a while, somebody would come along and put M&Ms on my desk. Now, you all didn't get M&Ms. That's not fair. But I'm kind of glad it's not. <laughs> Life's not fair. We all get our ups and we all get our downs. But it depends on your standard. Jeff's really the only one right. When I said, is life fair? Anybody think so? He's the only one to put up his hand. He's the only one who's right. Life is fair. From our subjective perspective, it's not. But who's in control of everything? God is. He knows who needs what to make it through this life the best. God, God knows. So you didn't need M&Ms last week. I did. You'll have your week. You know, somebody will be there for you. Life's not fair. But then again, it is. It's just not the same. Life's fair, but it's not the same. So speaking of fair, Jesus taught a lesson about it. He said this, The kingdom of heaven is like this. Once there was a man who went out early in the morning to hire some men to work in his vineyard. Ah, it's a boss. You know somebody's going to get upset with him today. He agreed to pay them a silver coin a day. This is an actual photograph of a real silver coin in use in those days. So now you have an idea of what they look like. He agreed to pay them a silver coin a day. And he sent them to work in his vineyard. He went out again to the marketplace at nine and saw some men standing there doing nothing. So he told them, you also go work in the vineyard and I'll pay you a fair wage. So they went. Then at noon and again at three, he did the same thing. So this guy's got a harvest and he can't get enough people to work in his vineyard. So he keeps going downtown to get some day laborers. And he keeps dragging them back to the vineyard. It was nearly five o'clock when he went to the marketplace and saw some other men standing there. My, he must have been desperate. It's the end of the day. He's still going to get help. Or is he? And aside. So I'm in Israel. I'm at the food market. It's Friday night. So Shabbat's coming, the Sabbath. Everything's going to shut down real soon. People are closing up their shops early. Everything shuts down about an hour before the Shabbat. So nobody misses the Shabbat. The buses stop running, etc. And I see a, a whole bunch of fresh baked bread stacked out on the sidewalk. Some people looking like they've ha seen better days grabbing the bread. And I said, is that just leftovers or did they actually put it out for these people? And he said, no, they, they put it out for these people. Wow, what a gracious, nice thing. Do those people getting the free bread actually realize that somebody got up real early in the morning to work really hard with their hands, miss some sleep, 
put their money into the bread just to give it to them, and they don't even know who's giving it to them? You never know why somebody's baking a loaf of bread to make a living. Not that bread. There's like three or four pallets of bread there. Rolls, fresh rolls. Mmm. So this guy goes out at 5 o'clock. Maybe he's desperate. Maybe he needs more workers. Or maybe not. It was nearly 5 o'clock when he went to the marketplace, saw some other men still standing there. Why are you wasting the whole day here doing nothing, he asked them. No one's hired us, they answered. Well, then you go and work in the vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the, older, the owner told his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, starting with those who were hired last and ending with those who were hired first. The men, the men who'd begun to work at five o'clock were paid a silver coin each. So when the men who were the first to be hired came to be paid, they thought they'd get more, but they too were given a silver coin each. They took their money and started grumbling against the employer. If you're one of those people that circles your Bible, and usually you like to circle things that are like really profound, might I humbly suggest, eh, I'm not humble. Might I just suggest <laughs> you circle the word grumble? Because I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and this is one of the biggest problems in the church. People griping and complaining about everything. Thermostats, the color of the carpet, how much the blinds are open, how much the blinds are closed, how loud the speakers are, how quiet the speakers are, how much toilet paper is in the bathroom. Yeah, it's a biggie. How much, um, they're, what, they're, what their teachers said or didn't say in the nursery or in the kids' connection, in the Shabbat school class. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a simple solution. Any of those things are a problem, you become charge of that ministry and you can take care of it. Circle the word grumbling. These guys had a job and they got paid a fair wage, a wage they agreed to. And they're grumbling. What do they have to grumble about? Ephesus. Nothing. Yet they're still grumbling. So you might want to circle that. Please, do me a favor, circle it. <laughs> they took their money, started grumbling against the employer. Here's what they said. These men who were hired last worked only one hour. While we put up with a whole day's work in the hot sun, yet you made them equal to us. So here's what the boss said. Listen, friend, the owner answered one of them. I've not wronged you. After all, didn't you agree to do a day's work for one silver coin? Now take your pay. Go home. I want to give to this last man as much as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do as I wish with my own money? Or is your eye evil because I'm good? Evil eye, what does that mean? In this context, in those days, it had to do with being envious. I guess you could say seeing bad when there's no bad to be seen. In the same way, the last will be first and the first will be last, for many are called, but few are chosen, says Yeshua, Jesus. You know, when I first read this story, I was all proletariat, man. The laborers are right. That wasn't fair. But over the years, my perspective has changed. And you know, 
I told you, fairness is a matter of perspective. At first I thought it wasn't fair. Now I think it is fair. What changed? The story didn't change. And I was a little, maybe miffed isn't the right word, maybe confused. I guess there was something wrong with my fairness meter, my ferometer. Because God seems to think that's fair, and I didn't think it was fair at all. So obviously God's ferometer is broken. And we go through life judging God all the time, don't we? That's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. God made it happen, it must be fair. We read the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You have to believe in Yeshua? That's not fair. I'm thinking a free ticket to heaven and somebody else died for your sins, you're griping that that's not fair? I'll take it. It's our ferometer that's busted. It's wonky. It doesn't always point true north. I mean, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And if fairness is a matter of objective, or sub, I mean, subjective perspective, we ought to be not so quick to get upset. And if the Bible says something's fair, you know, we got this little scale at home. It's a little food weighing scale. And uh, I guess my son never had to use a scale before. I said, well, every time you set a scale, there's a little dial in the back to get it to, you got to zero it out or zero it in. So here's what you do. You put the scale on the counter, don't mess with it, and you do that dial till it's exactly on zero, then you can put stuff on it. Sometimes we got to dial in our ferrometer. This to me was a dialing in moment because Yeshua said this was fair and it didn't look fair to me. I told you this guy came into the marketplace at five o'clock to hire more laborers, or did he? Did he really need them? Or was he looking for hungry people to feed? He gave them a silver coin. What'd they work, two hours? He gave them a whole day's wage, a couple hundred bucks, hundred bucks? Why did he do that? Because he was a nice guy. He saw some guys unemployed, and he knew they were gonna go home without bread. So he gave him some, he gave him a job, wasn't full charity, and then he gave him some money. So here we got some unemployed guys who couldn't find work. The day's almost done. This guy comes along, blesses them, and people are griping about it. So I said the story's about fairness. Maybe the story's about envy. Because their perspective, their attitude is the perfect definition of envy. Their attitude was way off. They were upset because people were being blessed. That's pathetic. And we do it too. News headline, millionaire wins the lottery. <laughs> Tell me you're not going to be upset. <laughs> Somebody you don't like gets a promotion. Urgh! You wanted that promotion, or anybody but him, anybody but her. Webster's definition of envy, to feel uneasiness or discontent at happiness enjoyed by another. I've been envious. I have suffered from the green-eyed monster. And I know you have too. But we've got to stop. Because what we're doing is getting upset at goodness. Goodness is bothering us. There's something totally wrong when goodness bothers us. 
Would you agree with me that every human has suffered with envy? Yeah, except for Yeshua. Every other human has. So without talking about all the deep theological answers and all the Bible verses that say so, isn't it evident just from that there's something wrong with us? Because by nature, we get upset with goodness. How can that, doesn't that say something about us? That we're not good. How can we get upset with goodness? That's evil, that's bad. We should rejoice with goodness all the time, but we don't. So there's something broken in us. And that, by the way, is what the Bible calls sin. There is something broken within us. I'm not saying we're all bad all the time. That's not the, the, the measurement. The measurement should be all good all the time. Why aren't we? Because there's something broken within us, something bad within us that causes us to do bad things. That's called sin. And that's what Jesus came to save us from, sin. Maybe if you see it that way, it'll help us appreciate what he's doing for us all the more. I can't think of a better illustration of envy than this story I heard about an ancient Greek game. And the guy who came out on top erected a statue to himself. So some of the guys that lost went that night, pushed the statue over, but it landed and crushed the guy who made the whole thing happen. His envy killed him. It's kind of, you know, it's poetic justice. It's, it's irony. There's an Aesop fable about it, too, about envy. Let me read it for you. Two neighbors came before God and prayed to him to grant their heart's desire. So this is Aesop. I don't know what God he's talking about. One was full of greed and the other eaten up with envy. So to punish them both, God granted that each might have whatever he wished for himself, but only on condition that his neighbor had twice as much. <laughs> so the greedy man prays to have a room full of gold. This was no sooner said than done, but all his joy was turned to grief when he found that his neighbor had two rooms full of gold. Then came the turn of the envious man. Aesop, let me correct this for you. Then came the turn of the other envious man who could not bear to think that his neighbor had any joy at all. So he prayed that he might have one of his eyes knocked out. Knowing that the other would have both knocked out. So on the negative side, Jesus' parable is about envy. But on the positive side, it's about God's graciousness. This landowner represents God who goes out and he gives liberally to people just because he loves them. Romans 12 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The landowner was fair to the first and gracious to the last. I started off talking to you about fairness, and I told you, I used to say, yeah, I wish life was fair, but nah, actually, I don't raise my hand because I'm kind of glad it's not because I don't get everything I deserve. You know, we only want it to be fair when it's positive for us, but we don't want it to be fair when it's negative for us. But I told you Jeff was right because ultimately everything is fair because God's in control, and he'll make sure it all works out right in the end. 
One day Moses asked to see God. Now he talked to God. He saw a manifestation sort of of God, but he couldn't see God. Nobody can see God. God's just too awesome to see. Vaporize you on the spot. So God says, I'll tell you what I will do. I'll put you in a cleft of a rock. I'll put you in a bomb shelter, shield you with my own power, my hand, and then I'll go by you, and after I pass, I'll give you a glimpse of my afterglow. I'm paraphrasing. You say, yeah, you are. (laughs) But when God passed by, he revealed not just his glory, but his character. And here's what he said. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Everybody knows a lot about God, and even those who know nothing about God think they know a lot about God. This is what God wants us to know. This is kindergarten God lesson. This is God 101. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. If that's not the hallmark of your God, you're worshiping the wrong one. That's God. We always think of God and then we think of justice and judgment and the hammer coming down. And nah, we've got it all backwards. So, Yeshua, Jesus teaches this lesson. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem next week on our final lesson in Matthew will be his entrance into Jerusalem. But on his way, as soon as he teaches this lesson, he has something else to say. Here's what he says. As Yeshua was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and spoke to them privately as they walked along. Listen, he told them. So this is a private conversation. Crowds aren't permitted to hear. Hey, guys, come here. Listen. We're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they'll condemn him to death. Then hand him over to the Gentiles who'll make fun of him, whip him, and crucify him. But three days later, he'll be raised to life. That's not fair! You following me? He just gave a lesson about fairness, took the guys aside and said, I'm going to Jerusalem to be crucified and die for your sins. That's not fair! What did he ever do wrong? Nothing. Why do people get to beat him and crucify him? That's not fair. I told you, sometimes I'm glad life isn't fair. Because if it was fair, I'd be stuck with my sin and I wouldn't be going to heaven. I'm glad life's not fair. This is the heart of the gospel. Yeshua dying for our sins and rising to life. That's it. And I told you that landowner represents God, and he was gracious. And I read you that passage of Scripture that talked about God's graciousness, so I thought I'd give you my favorite definition of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Not fair. And boy, am I glad it's not. Grace, I've heard it said, is when we get something we don't deserve. Like the wages these guys got. Like salvation that we get. 
Grace is when we get something we don't deserve. And I guess mercy is when we don't get something we do deserve. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Not fair. So, you don't have to put up your hands, but I'll ask you the question I asked you at the beginning of the lesson. Do you wish life was fair? Here's what I'd like. This is my prayer for you. May God grant you the opportunity this week to be unfair to people. Please bow your head and join me in prayer. Lord, you've shown us the positive, the good side of unfairness, graciousness, kindness, mercy, love, giving gifts, which is perfect as we enter into Christmas and as we're in Hanukkah. And Lord, you've, we're happy to give gifts to those we love, but you give gifts to those who don't love you. We're not that way, but we should be. Teach us the grace of the landowner. Teach us the grace of your son. Help us to be merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in love. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.